This is the story of how one species changed a planet. We want to start this discussion by looking at the general context within which the study of socio-ecological systems exists today. But what are we doing here? Where are we? I don't know. I was writing a column in the office of the Los Angeles Record-Telegram. Somebody spoke to me. Next thing I know, I woke up here. Los Angeles? I was in England. And I, my dear, was in Coblenz. But how? The how, I suspect, we may never understand. What interests me now is why. It's pretty obvious where you're from, my dear. And you so. <laughs> We always had plenty of rain, says Saidu Sawadogo, a common farmer. Harvests were sufficient. Back then, everything was green. There was forest around the villages. Now, there is only sand. My land is not nearly as fertile as it used to be, he laments. The great railways, then cars and highways, connected people across the globe. Medical discoveries saved millions of lives. New artificial fertilizers meant we could feed more people. Population rose rapidly. My storage shed is almost empty already, says the farmer. Pretty soon we're going to have to buy a millet ourselves. But the price keeps going up. A year ago, 100 kilos cost 35 euros. Now it's at 55 euros already. I can't afford it. Only if my brother sends me money. We move more sediment and rock annually than all natural processes, such as erosion and rivers. We manage three-quarters of all land outside the ice sheets. Greenhouse gas levels this high have not been seen for over one million years. Or by extreme events such as drought and flooding. These impacts can affect both the quantity and the quality of feed and forage. The effects can be seen in row crops, forages or in pastures. Climate trends are indicating a longer growing season. This, along with seasonal temperature and rainfall trends, will impact the productivity of the fields. Pests, weeds, and diseases also can follow temperature and precipitation patterns, which can negatively impact feed and forage production. Farmers and agriculture professionals from around the world can attest to the impacts of climate on feed and forage. One of the challenges on many dairy farms is weather patterns and harvest windows. Brother's sons recently moved to Ivory Coast too during the current drought. It is out of the question for me, says Saidu. I have to stay here. Sending our reporters to travel around the world doesn't exactly help the problem we're talking about this week. The problem of climate change, one of the biggest challenges humanity faces. Climate change is caused above all by the general warming, explains climate expert Isidore Zonga from Wagadou. From the 1960s to the present, We've recorded a rise in temperature of about 1.7 degrees. Greenhouse gases are to blame for this. We'll talk about this geological interpretation first before going on to elaborate on this new paradigm. More specifically, we will do this by talking about what is called the Anthropocene. It's the Earth. Don't be frightened. You'll be sent back to Earth absolutely unharmed. Furthermore, no measurable time by earthly standards will pass while you're here. Is such a thing possible? You're traveling at almost exactly the speed of light. At such a speed, time, as you know it, does not exist. Theoretically, but in actuality. Why have we been brought here? 
If you'll kindly be seated, I'll try to explain. The name Anthropocene is a combination of the Greek root anthropo, meaning human, and scene, meaning new. As a scientific term, it is used to refer to the current geological epoch where human beings are identified as the primary effectors of change within Earth's systems. According to the International Union of Geological Scientists, Farmer Somme Claude has been recording the exact rainfall in a notebook since 1999. Perhaps not to scientific standards, but as someone directly affected by these changes. No one knows how long people can live here if the global sea level continues to rise. Sinai lives on Tarawa, the main atoll. She shows me that high tides and storms are already wreaking havoc. We are officially in the Holocene epoch, which began approximately 12,000 years ago. I began keeping these notes so that I could predict when the rain would come and when I could start sowing my crops. It comes up to here? Yeah, like it's being eroded. Mm-hmm. And it's really fast, eh? And that's what we are always afraid of, eh? Like Crop failure on a large scale might make an individual farm vulnerable to short or long-term increases in the price of feed. To justify the identification of a new Anthropocene epoch. Another farm input that animal agriculture cannot survive without is water. Whether it's water for growing feed or water for the animals to drink. There's no river here, says Prospect, only a little spring. Watering the trees is crucial. Some need watering every day, others just once a month. I actually have to buy water. Having this high tide. They work to stop the rising water with sand and cement. That works quite well as long as the weather stays calm, though it didn't earlier this year and it is marked by an exceptionally stable climate and benign environment. Climate and weather also play a role in farm inputs of energy, both electricity and diesel fuel. Backup generators are status quo on most farms, and in areas where there are more intense rains or storms, generators are even more important. On a national scale, fuel supply and fuel prices are impacted by tropical weather events. So energy inputs to the farm are vulnerable not only to the energy supply, but also to changes in price, both short and long term. From the land and the people and the sea, like, you know, our relationship is really that strong. So we take from this, you know, we, our lives depend on this and that water. So if this destroyed, we're going to be destroyed as well. The sea is never more than a few steps or a jump away. Of course, Sinai loves the ocean, and yet at the same time, it threatens her future. The rise in sea, in sea level is quicker than before, so imagine if it's like every year. You five are here, in effect, as representatives. Not of your particular countries, but as representatives of the human race. Then you have come to Earth to establish contact. Oh, no, Professor. We are here to help you save your beautiful planet. You talk as if the Earth were about to be destroyed. That danger exists. Your entire history is one of self-destruction. You have now what you believe to be the ultimate weapon. The H-bomb. If you destroy yourselves, 
you also destroy the earth. And that we cannot permit, for it is needed. Needed? The universe in which my world exists is dying. Soon our sun will be going into Nova and explode. Therefore your people need a new world. Within 35 days. Then you're going to invade us. Oh no. No, our moral code does not permit us to invade, nor to destroy any form of intelligent life. We are prepared to lend you a weapon. A weapon which will permit you to destroy yourselves without harming your planet. This weapon affects only human life. Nothing else will be harmed. It will be long to you for 27 of the 35 days remaining to us. If at the end of that time, midnight of the 27th day, Greenwich time, you've not used it, the weapon will automatically become harmless. You are under no compulsion to make use of the weapon. Yet you think we will. We cannot hope for disaster. We merely expect it. Say you're wrong. Say the 27 days go by and we don't use the weapons. What happens then? Your race will live. Mine will die. Who are you going to give the weapons to? The weapons, one apiece, will be given to each of you. You may, of course, turn them over to your governments. But the decision is yours. The weapons are yours to do with as you wish. According to a study by St. Pierre in 2003, the beef, swine, dairy, and poultry industries were losing $2.4 billion per year due to the impacts of heat stress. Gases like carbon dioxide and methane form a layer around the Earth. That's trapping the heat in the atmosphere and turning the planet into a greenhouse. The burning of fossil fuels like coal and oil contribute massively to this greenhouse effect. The amount of greenhouse gases is rising, and so too is the Earth's temperature. Thing is, we're all to blame. One major source of greenhouse gases is transport. Even in Berlin, where there's not so much smog, but plenty of smug people taking public transport or riding bikes like me. Basically, everything we do contributes to climate change. That large latte you pick up on the way to work? 340 grams of greenhouse gases, and that's without the to-go cup. Even our research for this show Producing the electricity for a 30-second web search results in about a gram of greenhouse gases. Now think about all the hours we spend online. Rural populations suffer disproportionately from weak and erratic rainfall. In a country like Burkina Faso, this includes almost 80% of the inhabitants. Temperatures are increasing. We have made a hole in the ozone layer. We are losing biodiversity. With flooding, salty seawater flows into the groundwater. For washing, the contaminated water is still good, but for drinking, the water can make people sick. Many people drink it anyway because they have no other choice. Not yet, Professor. I can understand your curiosity, but they're protected by a force field. Each of the boxes is tuned to the electrical impulse of its owner. Now, Professor, the one to your left is yours. Ivan Godovsky, the next is yours. Eve Wingate, the next is yours. Sutan, you too. The last is yours, Jonathan Clark. 
one reason people aren't doing more about climate change is that for most of us, it still seems kind of abstract. But the ways we're contributing to it every day are very concrete. And my trip to northern Scandinavia is about to blast another 300 kilos of CO2 into the atmosphere. People here are already seeing the effects of climate change. It could even mean the end of a culture. Lars Miguel is a member of the Sami people. They've been living here in the Arctic climes of northern Scandinavia for thousands of years, in tune with the seasons. As a consequence, the farmer digs a well, runs dry within five years. Farmer Prosper Sawadog is already employing modern rehabilitation techniques. Each of you holds in your hands the power of life and death. Each box contains three capsules. They are the weapon. They surpass by many times the power of anything your race has yet created. Each of the capsules has a diameter of lethal radiation, which is exactly 3,000 miles. There is then, in the combined capsules, more than enough power to wipe out all human life on your planet. To use the capsules, you remove the spindle, place the capsule down, speak loudly and clearly, the latitude and longitude in the center of the target area. The energy thus launched takes only human life damages nothing else. It cannot be opened by ordinary means, Professor. Only your own thought waves will actuate the release mechanism. No other force on your Earth is capable of opening the box. But once it has been opened... We have entered the Anthropocene, a new geological epoch dominated by humanity. This relentless pressure on our planet risks unprecedented destabilization. Heat stress can have a critical impact on several different types of farm animals, and the effects can vary by species. Farmers and animal scientists are all well aware of some of these impacts. When somebody tells me they don't get heat stress, usually I ask them, do you lose any milk production in the summer? Anyone can pull the spindle, and any voice can launch them to their targets. What if we die? If any one of you is called by death, the capsules will become ineffective immediately. One more question, please. Do we have your solemn word that if we succeed in keeping the peace for 27 days, Earth will be free of invasion? You have my word, Professor. 27 days? <laughs> you ask us to learn in 27 days what has escaped the world for thousands of years? You ask us to practice peace or die? The choice is not new, Professor. Only the weapons. Now, if you'll forgive me, time is short. Will you be kind enough to return to your seats, and you'll be sent back to Earth? With more and more ice in winter, the reindeer are losing huge chunks of their grazing lands. I mean, if they can't get to the lichens, what's the problem with just feeding them hay like any other animal? Well, uh, the concept is, uh, well, the thing with reindeer is that this is their natural food and uh, feeding them hay year-round is not normal for them. And reindeer in a corral, uh, it's, not, it's not made for that. They make a living for us uh, in, in nature. But to do that, they have to be able to get to this stuff, basically. Yeah, that's, that's key for, 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 for their survival. <laughs> mm. And you're going to be a reindeer herder, yeah? This kid. People here call themselves Aikiribas. They have lived in harmony with nature for thousands of years. 
The temperature at night barely changes from the day, so most people sleep in traditional open huts. Sinai studied abroad in Fiji, a three-hour flight away, but she wanted to come back to fight for the future of her home. Directly behind Sinai's garden, you can see one of the biggest problems of Kiribati. There's trash on the beach as far as the eye can see. Some was thrown there by residents and some washed up. It looks and smells disgusting. Uh, you know, 30 to 75 percent on some of these dairies drops in reproduction because we've genetically made this animal to produce milk. And so that's where she diverts her energy and resources after typical body maintenance. And so reproduction is going to be the last way to come. Obviously, Mother Nature, you're not going to try to sustain an embryo if you can't sustain. Although there's very little we can say about the future to the Anthropocene, we can say something about the current state using the language of nonlinear systems dynamics that we learned in previous modules. We could tentatively say that Earth's systems are going through a likely irreversible phase transition. Broken negative feedback loops and increased positive feedback have taken it far from equilibrium in what appears to be some form of a critical bifurcation state, the outcome of which will be either some form of ecological collapse into a degraded equilibrium or self-organization to some other new higher equilibrium. We could also say that the outcome to the process will likely be determined within the coming decades and it will likely be a product of economic choices made. As we know, in this period of transition, close to a bifurcation, the system can become very sensitive to small fluctuations. During this period, both the global economy and global biosphere would appear highly vulnerable. Today, many tipping points have been identified within Earth's systems, such as Arctic summer ice, where due to a positive feedback loop, the transition to an ice-free Arctic summer could occur within a few decades, and this has significant ecosystem and geological implications. Other examples include oscillations within El Nino weather system, where climate change might cause El Nino to occur more often or more intensely. The Indian summer monsoon is again identified as another vulnerability, where the Indian summer monsoon rainfall critically affects India's agriculture and economy. It is the primary delivery mechanism for fresh water into the Indian subcontinent, upon which hundreds of millions of people depend. Global warming trends mean that this could become more and more unpredictable. Changes in temperature could also cause the collapse of the West African monsoons or cause changes within the North Atlantic Thermohaline Ocean Belt. These are just some of the major potential tipping points within Earth systems that both the global economy and biosphere are vulnerable to at this time. Added to this is the fact that any one of them could have a cascading effect on others. And of course, we shouldn't forget about the many interactions and complex interdependencies within Earth systems that we do not know about or cannot measure. Amazing. You said it couldn't open. No physical force on Earth could have opened this particular box. 
only my mental projection. By the same token, no one but Ivan Godovsky could have opened his box. They are keyed to the electrical impulses of their possessors. Well, then their story is true. It is true. Agreed. But what about their claim? That their capsules have destructive powers within a radius of 1,500 miles. Three capsules, then, will be able to destroy every vestige of human life on the North American continent, from Panama to Hudson Bay. Can anyone believe that? Believe that such energy is contained in a cylinder smaller than the cup of my fountain pen? A cylinder that will understand instructions like a robot? I cannot. Then why should the alien give them to us in the first place? What better way to start a war here on Earth than to place these boxes in our hands? And let us believe they will do everything the alien says they will. If you are right, Dr. Newhouse, it's almost too clever. The only way we can check the truth of the alien's words is to test one of the bombs. And, of course, that's out of the question. I'm not so sure. There is an area of more than 3,000 miles diameter off the east coast of South America. The test could be conducted at sea. You forget, Admiral, this test requires a human life. We cannot put a human being within the area when we have every reason to believe that his life might be the price of our mistake. Gentlemen, much of our concern may be unnecessary. Remember, there are still 12 days. If I could have the capsules long enough to examine them, study them thoroughly, perhaps there is another way. That decision I cannot make. However, I suggest we adjourn for the present. You will be notified of a future meeting. The Sami people are divided across four countries. Sweden, Norway, Russia, and Finland, where we've come to a school that trains reindeer herders. Right. So, ooh! Yeah, okay, sure. you picked the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, it suits. Okay, yeah, just, just barely, all right. Lars Miguel works for an organization that fights for Sami rights. He's actually here chaperoning a group of teenagers, translating for them into Swedish since they don't speak Sami. Dating the origins of the Anthropocene or trying to predict its future is probably not as important as obtaining a recognition to the overarching profound process of change that it has or is enabling. Through the development of our technology infrastructure and economic organization over thousands of years, we have gone from a small world on a large planet to a large world on a small planet, where humans are increasingly the primary regulators of Earth's core systems. This is essentially a complete inversion to this relationship, and within such a context, we can understand the need for a new paradigm and new models that define a new relationship between ecosystems and economies. A need for new models of socio-ecological systems that makes it possible for us to understand human activity within an ecological context not as two distinct systems where humanity is just thought of as an impact or disturbance that needs to be managed, but instead as an integral part of ecosystem structure and function, an expanded conception of an ecology that is relevant to the era of the Anthropocene, where we can no longer ignore human beings as exogenous factors. Gentlemen, I am prepared to destroy all life on the North American continent if the Americans do not withdraw from Europe and Asia 
and confine themselves to continental United States. Sir, this will mean a war that could finish us as well as them. There will be no war, Marshal. If I launch these three capsules, they will not have one single person left alive to give orders and none to carry them out. Where is your war then, Marshal? But if they strike first... The lessons of history have been wasted on you, Marshal. Democracies are appeasers. And the Americans in particular cannot be provoked into a war. They must be bombed into it. They will do something, sir. Of course, they will threaten and bluster and make angry speeches. And they will end doing just as we ask. I shall read to you the ultimatum which has already been delivered to the United States. Demand is hereby made for the immediate withdrawal of all American forces and civilians on land, sea, and air to within the limits of continental United States. On pain of total war. Such withdrawal is to begin within 48 hours of the moment this document is placed in the hands of the government of the United States. Animals are also affected by abrupt changes from cool temperatures to warmer temperatures. Animals need time to adapt to changes in weather. Farmers need to ask, how vulnerable is the farm to early, high season temperatures? Climate changes can also impact the spread of diseases and pests. Warmer temperatures, mild winters, and changing rainfall amounts result in the migration of pests to different geographical areas. Farmers need to ask, how vulnerable is the farm to the spread of new diseases or pests? If we don't have the freeze to, to kill the bacteria, to kill the pathogens, we're going to have more problems with um, parasites and other, other illnesses. They're going to castrate. Don't worry, this part's almost over. Our planet is vast. It's difficult to comprehend the scale. It's difficult, too, to comprehend the scale of humanity and the vast changes we've wrought in a lifetime. Population, production and consumption have grown exponentially. Roads, railways, airlines, shipping routes, the digital revolution. We've created a globally interconnected society. Evidence is mounting, we've entered the Anthropocene. Humanity is altering Earth's life support system. Carbon dioxide emissions are accelerating. Greenhouse gas levels are unprecedented in human history. The climate system is changing rapidly. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change assesses the risks and options for societies. Its latest report states it is extremely likely humans are the dominant cause of warming in the past 60 years. Without deep emissions cuts, it is likely Earth will cross the target of 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, the target set by international policy. This could happen as early as 2050. If emissions keep rising at current rates, a 4-degree rise by 2100 is as likely as not. It's very likely heat waves will occur more often and last longer. The Arctic will warm faster than the global average. 
It's likely sea ice will all but vanish in summer within decades if high emissions continue. It's very likely sea level rise will accelerate. Cities and coastal areas are vulnerable. In general, wet regions are set to get wetter, dry regions drier. Monsoons are likely to become longer, their footprint likely to grow, and downpours likely to intensify. Stop all engines. Aye, aye, sir. All engines stop, sir. Aye. Ship's on station, Admiral. Thank you, Captain. Now, this is the limit of the radiation radius. Dr. Newhouse is here, just within the limit. Our position is here, one mile outside the radius. Sir, he's coming through. Professor, it's time. Jonathan, I do not really want the box to open. 